episode of the Double J Podcast. I am joined, I'm your host Josh, and I am joined by the not-so-J, but J for the sake of this podcast, Gerald. How's it going, man? All right. Like I said, you just call me Jerry. That's okay. We discussed that on the last program. Uh, It's great to be back. Um, Tell Justin he can, you know, stay on that sick leave. It's okay. (laughs) Oh, he's he's probably enjoying it. So, you know, this this is a union. So he, he just kind of I'm the supervisor. I just kind of watch him work and all that. So as long as I don't have to pay dues. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's see. There's you know there's a lot happening in the movie world this week, but not you know nothing super amazing. There's no earth shattering uh, things, but don't that doesn't mean you shouldn't stay tuned because they're yeah, going to oh, talk about hey. some good stuff. Yeah, but first, I, I, I just I feel like I need to ask this, Gerald. What have you seen lately that's any good? Oh my gosh, that's any what, good. What have you seen that's not good? Let, let's 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 go both sides of the spectrum there. Well, the arrival, I did not poo poo on it as much as you have. Uh, let's put that for record. I, I recently saw that, like I said uh, on last week's program, and while I don't think it's best picture quality. Because we, you know, you and I both know the Oscars are right around the corner. I don't think it is as uh, bad as you say, but I also don't think it's as good as everybody likes it either. Because I think it just it everything transpired too slowly. Um, and then while it does have the neat little twist that's out there as far as how the movie evolves, and the- is it a twist though? It's yeah. kind of okay. Let me ask you this: When you walked into the theater and you saw the first few minutes of it. And then you get like maybe thirty minutes into the movie, were were you like, okay, something like something's gonna happen? Like it's almost predictable in the way that it's delivered. Uh, but as far as the time shifts, uh, for me, as far as the shifting, as far as what she's what the flashbacks are in the film and flash forwards and all those things, uh, the way they were placed. Basically, what it did is it took the standard way of doing film with a flashback or a flash forward and basically chopped it up in little pieces and like spread it out all over the film. And if you're not paying close enough attention, yeah, you're not going to be able to pick it up at the very beginning or in the middle. And then you're just like surprised at the end. But like you said, obviously you, you caught on real quick to where it was going and where it was heading. Um, Me, as far as just watching it casually, uh, around the halfway point where, where I started realizing that what was going on as far as the different time frames are concerned. And I'm not, I'm trying to be generalistic, no spoilers now. Sorry. Cause I know it's still in the theaters technically. Uh, so I just will say this, like it just transpired the whole thing on a very slow rate for me. That was just, it, and it never really picked up enough for my satisfaction. I didn't like the fact that they didn't, delve into the aspect of, of anywhere around the world. I would have been interested into seeing what was going on in China, what was going on in other parts of the world with the other entities that you, as you know, in the commercials and the trailer that you see are parked all around the world and how they dealt with, with those, 
you know, aliens as well. That would have been nice to to see indeed. My big thing, it wasn't even, it's not the twist and it's not the politics of it. It's the the concept of what they were here to give us. What a crappy gift. Who would want to see that? That is my, like, if someone came up to you and said, hey, Gerald, let me tell you the exact moment of your death and how it's going to happen. Would you say, okay, yeah, tell me. Well, if I could try and avoid it, yeah, I will just say on X amount of day, X amount of time, and you're going to do this here. And then I would just say, okay, well, I will try not to be there. Because uh, it doesn't, the, if they're giving you the option to see, again, spoilers that are out there, sorry, don't listen for the next few couple minutes. And if they're giving you this gift of, of trying to, see as far as into the future or look into your past and and see different realms as far as how does that lay out and tells you okay this is what's going to happen to you then uh, it's kind of cheating in a way but hey uh, if i if i'm told that then i probably try to to avoid it and try and change that that future as best as i could okay so let me ask you this from an objective standpoint they say that time travel is the one of the biggest cop-outs in storytelling. And, you know, the, the, the Flash series on the CW is good, and they do it well, but that's like the entire series revolves around that. But how do you think Arrival handled it? Well, again, like I said, they just basically used it like a, you know, like, like putting Parmesan cheese on a pizza and just like put it out there and just sprinkled it in all different kinds of time frames and they just threw it all over the place and it ended up being you know you're seeing a flash forward from this scene you're seeing a flashback from that scene then you're seeing what you think is real time in, in one scene and it just did not it didn't jive or or to me be cohesive enough to i lost interest in it um almost not to the point where we're girl on a train because that was really bad uh, that that was just a, that was just a point where they just did it in a fashion that they had this neat trick in Girl on the Train as far as those flash forward and flashback scenes and really not for not really didn't work out for me very well because of the way they let out and this one Arrival they didn't do it much better because it just really the lost interest as far as what was going on in the now as far as when she was dealing with the aliens directly. Right, right. So as an alien flick, were you expecting more out of it? Like a, a lot of people were comparing it to maybe uh, the same kind of crisis situations as like Independence Day. What what were you expecting when you went into it? Uh, it was not anywhere near an Independence Day. Now, Independence Day was over the top and cheesy and bombastic and something Michael Bay would love. But it was still like a, uh, a okay popcorn flick. Um, even the latest Independence Day that came out uh, last year, uh, that, again, it was even worse than the original, but it still had some sort of popcorn flavor you could sit through and, okay, it's a thrill ride, we get it, okay, maybe it's a little bit bombastic and over top but and, and has your eye rolling from time to time, but at least it's got a flow and an action uh, to it that, that help keeps you into the moment from from time to time whereas with the arrival i just saw so i saw no sense of danger uh, i don't 
the the individuals and the government were were obviously afraid and in reality we would be afraid for various reasons but i just as an audience we are not sympathetic to what's going on because it just did not seem that they were making the aliens any threat at all even though the government itself was very afraid by it and you just don't believe the government being afraid by it because they were just presented as as literally just just a docile race and that's where all of the politics come in but that's a whole nother podcast right there and then also check out your review on it on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com so if you want all the words in writing about how josh at the time felt about it and felt about how the reviewers loved it and felt about those reviewers loving it you want to check out popculturecosmos.wordpress.com see you're a much better co-host than justin like with you i don't even have to plug my own stuff I, you could just do it for me which is nice well, it was good because I read it. Uh, it's an actually, uh, it's a very good piece. Whether you agree or don't agree, which you know, a lot of people are doing these days on various things, at least it's very well thought out and very well written, where you can you can understand your point of view on why you don't like it. So, if somebody is an ardent uh, supporter of the movie, they can at least understand your point of view and then respond back to you in kind with their thoughts in a respectable fashion. Exactly, exactly. See, it's it's all about debate. It's, it's all about uh, polite debate, I guess, is what I'm trying to say there. Um, okay, well, let's take a look at the news today, or not today, but this past week. We have Sam Worthington is back in the news, and it's probably, it's been a really long time because all he's been wrapped up in is Avatar stuff recently. And speaking of Avatar, this is what well, he's... that's because his career went in the toilet. And hey, I've been waiting for an Avatar. I like Sam Worthington, though. Like, I can think of a whole lot. Anytime I'm like hearing them casting something in Marvel, I'm like, you know who would play that really well is Sam Worthington. But it's just like this. Okay, we all know he did Avatar. Ed Gray, it did great. You know, Buko, you know, props to his uh, agent. Here we go again, me propping an agent. But he got those roles in the Terminator movie. He got the roles in the Clash movie where he was lead. He was making lots of money. Great, great. But then you saw the, the diminishing returns going down, going down. Goes from star to a co-star to a supporting cast. Because in Heartbreak Ridge, supporting cast, correct? Correct. So there you go. Um, now, now, hopefully, this will reignite his career. You know, playing in fifteen thousand straight Avatar movies, that'd be great. But from there, it's just it's just so hard to stay on top if you don't get the right roles. Yes, you go for the cash. As far as if we were go for the cash, if we were in that situation. But trying to stay in that great higher upper echelon and have those choices i mean chris pratt you know he's been able to do very well since even passengers notwithstanding he's been able to do very well as far as uh, staying at that level to keep his name status so none of the marvel characters have really been able to do that uh that have you know you know talking about chris evans talking about hemsworth whatnot when they try to branch out they don't do very well you know, 
you, you can name it right now. It's just there's not that many bankable names in this business. And Sam, you know, was an individual that for at least for a little while could sell a movie. Yeah, I mean, with him, I think it's your typical Taylor Kitsch situation where the actor the actor has potential to be really good, but I think it's just the writing. Like, a lot of the movies I've seen Sam Worthington in, I didn't... Sorry. Well, Sam Worthington, you know, like, like I said, his his choices, you go for the big money, you go for the big money. And, and I can't blame him, you know, if we were in that situation um it's it's you got to do what you got to do so i don't blame him at all for doing it i just i just know that when you do that things like that is you got to pay a price and unfortunately the cause of diminishing returns was just that you have to keep going i do want to make a correction though robert downey jr has had some success with the sherlock holmes movies outside of the iron man films now mind you he's had some issues uh, as far as diminishing returns with due date and then there's the one where he did with his dad with robert robert duvall uh which was a which was a good movie uh, did you see it no i didn't uh like i said it it didn't move the needle that's why like, you know i'm sure i'll be seeing it on cable very soon but it's it's not something that that actually did very well the box office the choice it makes but still if you were to make another sherlock holmes movie it would still be good enough to to make a nice little profit True, fair enough, and and Benedict Cumberbatch is also up yeah, there. Yeah, now now and now you have to include him into that Marvel universe. Okay, let's let's put him on that <laughs> realm and see how. Well, how many movies has he carried so far? Just one. So I I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no. Which one did he carry? If you're saying Doctor Strange, that's that's the only one he's been in. So he, you know, there's not a lot of like everyone. He's been either a co-star. Into Darkness, he wasn't the you know he wasn't the draw. Oh, the, the name Star Trek was the draw. The Imitation Game that was that one didn't that one win him a, a bunch of awards? Yeah, uh, that did as far as from an acting standpoint, but as far as from a bank home, let me check that out while you're doing it. But I don't think it did you know buku bucks on it. But I can I may be wrong, and I I'll correct myself on air while, while you're uh, going on to the next subject. All right, well, okay, back to Sam Worthington. He came out and said that Avatar 2 will be a family saga, and they're about to start uh, putting that together. He said the film will take place eight years after the first one and will focus on his offspring. Uh, James Cameron has just finished the script for Avatar 5, and the films are set to be released in December of 2018, 2020, 2022, and 2023. So my question to you, Gerald, is... Do you think that planning four Avatar sequels based solely on the success of the first film is a good idea? And the answer to, uh, as far as the imitation game, it made $233 million worldwide. And obviously, it, even though there's no, been no reported budget for it, I could say it probably made a nice little profit. So I will stand correct on that. But he is not by himself at this point in time, even though he's an excellent actor. And I really like watching his stuff can sell a movie 100% on his own. Maybe he's better now in place now he can, but, but uh, than before um, now that he's had Dr. Strange in his back pocket. So we'll see. And then Sherlock Holmes TV shows, he's done very well with that as well. So in your, your question regarding Avatar, if I'm the studio, it's hard to say because, you know, 
James Cameron has a, you know, he has a history. He has that track record. And I'm sure he is helping in some form or fashion to finance the movies as far so so that it can get done because it will probably lead to bigger returns if they make that kind of money. Again, this is something we've talked about before on the podcast because of the, the podcast. I've talked with you about it. I've talked with Rob McCallum about it as far as the diminishing returns of Avatar as far as the pop culture license that you can continually go to and understand and and remember and remember fondly i know there's going to be a avatar land at disney world coming soon and that they're devoting a, a good portion to it but is there too much of a time frame lost so that people will get interested again we've seen over the past couple of years uh especially where where franchises movie franchises have come back with a long-awaited sequel quote unquote and the, the people just have did not go to the movies to see it uh, that's that's something i've seen as a trend the past couple of years as far as movies are concerned uh, i think it the second one will tell the tale as far as people if they want to go back to it even if i but i still think it's the same as rogue one if it does half of it what you're talking about one almost two billion i'll take that you know i don't think it will do that i think an avatar 2 may may still do over a billion dollars and if that's the case, uh, if if you're going to give a movie company that that much cloud as far as a billion dollar movie in its pocket, I think it's okay to go ahead and and okay all the rest of those movies based on the previous success of the two point eight billion. Because, like I said, if even if it goes down by half, even the first time out, you're still talking about a two billion dollar franchise. And if it goes down half again, you're still talking about a one billion dollar franchise for the third one, and the other two would probably, you know, go maybe uh, seven eight hundred million after that. So I'd take it. Why not? They'll, they'll cost three hundred million each, but I'll do it. Why not? Because I, I I don't hate Avatar and I like it. Maybe I don't, I don't it, either, but it's not something I went, I saw it. It's all blue. The special effects were cutting edge at the time. It was great. Um, I really, really love Stephen Lang's performance in it. That is the movie to me. His evilness, he is one of the, that was one of the best bad guy performances of this century as far as films are concerned. And I, people don't laugh at me when I say that. When they actually look at the movie, the acting itself, the story itself, yeah, it's 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 nice. It tells a feel-good story and all that, but nobody really cares until Stephen Lang comes up there and just, you know, as an actor, chews that scenery with his evil, you know, hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-ha, uh, twirling, almost if he had a twirling his mustache as he was doing it. Instead, he was drinking a coffee and saying, let's go home by break, you know, breakfast and whatnot, so... Uh, and get this done and destroy their land. So, and he was relishing in the performance as far as from from the standpoint of how good he was he was in that role. And now that you don't have him anymore, spoilers for an eight year old movie. Uh, it's kind of to me he was the most interesting character. So now I will be going into into it even less interested than I was before because I'm not into Sam Worthington's character. I'm going to be honest with you. Sigourney Weaver, who is the only other one that actually had a decent character in the film, she's you know her they character. Her back. character. They what say, they say they resurrected her. 
Okay, well then there you go. Um, but still, that's that's. I, I mean, I'm sure I will go see it. I predict the kids, whatnot, if it's still allowable. Although it was pretty violent, the last one. Um, I, I guess I guess say it's it's okay to go, but I'm not going to go. I don't, I don't think the the audiences out there they're not they're not. It's not Star Wars. It, I, and this is something again I talked about with, with Rob with Star Wars. It's just not going to appeal to a large audience in the way that that they don't have the fondness for it that that they do of star wars they'll go see it they'll go see it in mass but it's, avatar is the kind of movie at this point it's, it's a type of pop culture identity that you can go see it and then you instantly forget about it and that's maybe over the long haul not the kind of identity you want Right, and that's that's what I was getting at. It was that a lot of people who I've talked to about the movie, the first one, they it was a visual feast to them. They they just that all of them agree that it's a visual feast, and they went to see it because they were more curious about it than anything else. But I asked them if they remember anything from the story, and they're like, they don't even remember there being a story hardly. You know, they remember the the key moments: uh, Sigourney Weaver dying, uh, the Stephen Lang. Uh, the fight with Stephen Lang and the uh, you know the big battle sequences, but they don't remember enough about it to really show that they were into the the writing of it. So it, it's just it, this it's an interesting creature to me because it's not it's the sequel is really going to tell whether or not the next three are going to be you know hits or misses with audiences. And that's the thing because technology now that they used in the original avatar what is now pretty much we've seen it you know we see it on any big budget movie that's out there we see it with the star wars movies that have come out since then that type of you know cutting edge technology is no longer cutting edge so when we see the next avatar is it going to be interesting and compelling enough is it going to be a visual feast that we're looking for? And I'm not even sure if it's going to be that as well. It's just going to be something that everybody's going to be seeing for a while. And because it's avatar and then, you know, they may have it as a Blu-ray coming down the line or an HD Blu-ray to, to make sure they can test out all the colors on their HD TV, the 4k that they got the ultra HD with the, you know, the, the high res imaging. And that's pretty much, it you know it's just like i said it just will not leave that lasting footprint you really want to leave like star wars does right <clears throat> exactly um all right so next in the news we have gore verbinski is actually having a very difficult week uh, he didn't have a great weekend either yeah he's uh a cure for wellness is out and it's not doing so great it's actually currently number 10 in the box office but you know, he did shed. Do you remember when they were talking back in two thousand eight? They were talking about a Bioshock movie. Yes, I remember that. And and you know, Ken Levine was taunting it quite a bit at the time. Yes, and they they pulled the plug on it, and nobody really explained why. It was kind of had a few news articles on it that were less than a paragraph, and then we never heard anything about it again. So he finally, during the premiere for a Cure for Wellness, uh, was asked by a reporter about what happened to the film. And he said the plug was pulled eight weeks prior to being made. So this was back when it was a risky ticket, I guess, to make a rated R movie. 
So Universal wasn't sure as Universal. Yes, Universal wasn't sure about the uh, the R rating, and they didn't know if because of the R rating, if they wanted to dump that much money into creating this entire universe of uh, Rapture, which would have been fantastic to see on screen. But uh, I agree. Yeah, and it was basically so. What turned them off of the film was the combination of the price tag and the rating so it's one of those films it's kind of like uh when microsoft tried to sell the rights to halo nobody wanted to take a risk on it because microsoft wanted so much of the profits and there's that big stigma with video game uh video game based movies so nobody really wanted to take that risk do you remember that i do and steven spielberg was once uh, attached to the project and that's pretty much when they decided they were going to go to that made for almost like TV, but made for their basic video game audience through the Xbox. That's when they made those, you know, self-contained films, not the films for, for theatrical release, mind you, but the, the T the, the video series that they, that they launched, um, which didn't do so well. It was really looked kind of bad, uh, on both occasions that they tried to do it. The first one was a little bit better than the second time they tried to attempt to do it, but they both didn't quite meet up to everybody's desire to to have a halo on the big screen. Sorry, Master Chief over there. But um, it was to me, it was just a, a very disappointing thing to see when when they finally pulled the plug on it because, like you said, yeah, Microsoft wanted you know their hands in the too much in the kitty. It was just disappointing to see that that uh, all came down like it did, but not surprising, not surprising in the least. It, you know, it was Microsoft. So would you have liked to see a Bioshock film? I mean, if they make one in the future, would you go watch it? I, I, I would watch it, but I would have them try to distance themselves as much as they can from the video game because the video game itself is now, is now almost 10 years old. So if you're going to try and relate so much of it to the video game, people, the casual audience isn't going to remember that it's based off a video game and they're just going to find the stigma that it's a video game based movie. If you make it now or sometime in the future, just try and create it on its own morals and its own strengths with maybe some hints and some ties, small ties to the video game, but you don't want to do anything really overt as far as that anymore because the Bioshock series is right now in a state of flux at best it, most consider it dead and gone I, i'm thinking it will still revive itself at some point in time but yeah bioshock if it were to come out as a movie i would i would try to make it stand on its own laurels and not try to to like assassin's creed have it you know trying to tie itself so closely to the video game audience Right, it's kind of like the uh, Silent Hill. That that's what I would have imagined it being. Like you had your gamers who love the video games, and then you had people going and expecting it to be this elaborate horror movie, and it's just got too many tie-ins that they don't understand. See, the Resident Evil movies. You know, I know we bash them all day long, and they're you know critically they're they're not very thought of, but it's made over a billion dollars as a series. Why? I mean, because it it's tried to do its own thing. Uh, but still have some ties within the you know the the Resident Evil universe, like the T virus, Raccoon City, um, uh, you know, there's some of the characters or whatnot. But it really doesn't feel like it's it's 
a Resident Evil. It, it really doesn't feel like it's having to tie itself down to the Resident Evil game. You look at all the you know, the movies in the series and whatnot. It just does not feel like they had to tie themselves down to the video game series. And you almost forget that these characters are from the video game series when you watch them on screen because it they're so very loosely tied to their actual video game counterparts. And if Bioshock were to come on screen, I think that that's the route they should go. Yeah, because, well, I mean, that would be an easy route for them just because there's not a lot of characters in Bioshock. You know, you have Alice Ryan, but he's really the only thing that holds the franchise together. Um, okay, uh, next in news we have Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, is not going to appear in the Predator sequel. Were you hoping for that? Get to the chopper! Oh, it. He, I, it would have been a great little piece of like, you know, fan service. But I, the other movies were okay without him. You know, we don't know, but you don't see anyone. Busy. He's too busy pushing Mobile Strike. Well, I'm sorry, and his, <laughs> you know, Celebrity Apprentice thing too. Which uh, I, I, don't, I don't, I haven't been monitoring the ratings. You've been talking to the TV ratings guys. Uh, how, how's that doing currently? Um, it's not what it once was, as the uh, you know, individual that sits in the White House constantly loves to tell people um, it's not what it once was rating ratings wise, but it's it's still on the air for now. So I guess you could say that's something. So do you think that uh, Arnold is going to make a bid for president after a few seasons of this? He's well, no, he's unfortunately not eligible to do so. So oh, yes, that's right. Yes, he he cannot. So, Especially now. <laughs> he, well, when he was California governor, he, he had uh, made some inklings, I believe, from my understanding, that he was supposed to, you know, going to try and see if that, that could be curtailed so that he could make a run. Uh, but no, it never came to fruition. But, uh, he, you know, th there was that thought. He did have the, that desire. I can, I'm pretty sure I can tell you as a fact that, that okay, well, no, I'm sorry, facts, you know, you say it's, can't say that these days. So, I guess say it's fake news, but I'm pretty sure that he had a very good inkling when he was governor of California that he wanted to take that next step. So Boyd Hallbrook, who is starring in the film, uh, he has said who? that she, Boyd Hallbrook. I don't. Who? I'm sure we'll know him soon if the movie's ahead. So. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. We do know who Shane Black is, though. So. You know, Predator, it sounds like it's in good hands. He, uh, well, that all depends, you know, who's Boyd Hallbrook, you know, that if, again, sometimes I know there's not too many individuals that can carry their name with their, their movie. I get that, but people still have to have some type of name recognition when it comes to, comes to these, these bigger budget, larger budget features. Am I wrong in that? No, you're 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 definitely right. He, I mean, I don't know what else he's been in. Like, I, I don't, I haven't really done a lot of research on him. But it has. If you have to go to IMDb, then then there's a problem there. There's a problem. But if you look at the supporting cast, so he has Olivia Munn, uh, Keegan Michael Key from Key and Peele. He has Thomas Jane from The Punisher, and I I'm not sure who the other two are. But the, Thomas I mean, the, Jane should have been the one that he should have been the lead. That's what I was thinking. I mean, maybe he's a little bit over the hill now. Maybe he's not not doing you know the, those those type of movies in that fashion. A lot of stuff he does goes direct to video. I get that, 
these days, but you know, he is a, a bigger name in the industry as far as that might be able to do it. But then again, this may be a hot actor that we don't know about yet, but we'll know soon by the time the Predator movie comes out. Hey, you know, Thomas Jank, you blame him, got to make that paycheck. Yes, yes. Uh, okay, but my question to you before we move on to the next topic is, do you think, so the Predator franchise has had its ups and downs over the years. Let, let's not talk about Danny Glover. Um, do you think that this... I like Predator 2. I'm sorry. I like Predator 2. Okay, okay. I've got a great Predator 2 story. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm going to have to hear it. But my here, but go answer your question. I mean, you're you're you're, you're on it, so let let's talk about Predator Two story. I'm I'm curious. I didn't know if you wanted to go on it, so I don't don't forget your question though. Okay, I don't want to throw you off track. I don't want to throw you completely off the rails. It's written down right here, so because this is a Double J podcast, so yes, I want to make sure. Well, again, uh, for those people that are old enough, and unfortunately, I qualify. The um, the Predator Two was one of the first movies to hit the cinema, to my knowledge, recollection, and I'm not looking this up, I'm not Googling it, this is going off my brain, that instituted really Dolby Pro Logic as far as Dolby surround sound experience. And yes, there's been the, you know speakers in the back of theaters and the front of theaters for a while, but they really couldn't give you that full surround sound-like experience, that full digital surround sound experience you know in earlier days 70s 80s whatnot it wasn't until right around the time was it lady early 90s 1989 90-ish whatnot i went predator 2 came out can you look that up i'm sorry for dolby digital no for predator 2 thank you oh. so predator 2 comes out it's, it's the first movie i i actually sat in the theater for it's one of the first to my knowledge that came out 1990 1990 see did I did I call it? it yeah, yeah. You got it. So uh, if it was one of the first that came out, then out to my knowledge, and I sat down with my with this uh, with my friend, and and we're sitting in there in the theater, we're watching it, and I, it's actually not that bad of a movie. To me, and you know, it does have Bill Paxton, it has a lot of uh, recognizable names, Ruben Blades, and whatnot. It has a lot of recognizable names. It made it for a for a decent flick. Okay, the story gets a little hokey and whatnot, especially the ending. I get it. But to actually be in there and for the first time hear that surround sound experience where everything's zipping by from the back, you know, through your through the back of your head and to the side, left, right, boom, boom. And I'm just and and the theater was so kind to make sure they turned it up to eleven well, instead of one out of ten, which you know made it even more just like. Uh, well, I can't hear now, but back then it was really cool. So you got this whole experience going around in surround sound cinema, boom, 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 whatnot. And I just thought, man, I said, this is just some awesome. Could you hear? Stuff. Could you hear Gary Busey's spittle flying out of his mouth as he was talking? Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, even when he started screaming as he was about to meet his end, the in that icebox uh, scene there. So yes. That's correct. Uh, he was just his spittle was, you know, flying away, and you could actually hear it all in in beautiful Dolby surround sound. So I I turned over to my friend. And I said, "This is some really awesome, you know, blankety blank stuff, isn't it, man?" And <clears throat> excuse me. And he says, "I mean," it's, and and I said that, and and I turned over to him as I said that, and he was asleep. It's the, one of the loudest <laughs> movies I've ever been in, one of the loudest experiences. And I, like I said, one of the first experiences 
in the theater with Dolby surround and people know now these days they take it for granted and, and you know we can go to Best Buy or we can go to a local stereo shop and get that same experience but back then it was really neat and he's asleep hey some people fall asleep in loud noise I fall asleep to screamo music so it's just that everyone has their thing i guess i fall asleep after i listen to the pop culture cosmos podcast and the pcc multiverse about 10 times in a row and what what time are those shows on and what days um the pop culture cosmos show is on every monday night 7 30 p.m pacific 10 30 p.m eastern on the podcast radio network it's the number two program overall and the number one show on monday night and the pcc multiverse the latest addition to the pop culture cosmos scene it is available on the podcast radio network at 4 p.m. Eastern and excuse me, 4 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on the podcast radio network. And also you can download those on eight different audio formats. And that's just, you know, if you do, you usually get a bonus thrown in there, too. Like the show. Hey, there it is. Yep, yep, yep. Cheap plug. Thank Cheap you. Play. Hey, yes. you know, but I was just, you know, I'm like, man, this is some, some awesome. And then he's asleep. So I don't know. You know, he just. So people. I have, I have a soft spot in my heart for Predator too. And Bill Paxton's wine. Yo, man. Well, no, he took that from anal. His, his aliens character pretty much put it over into the Predator too. We're screwed, man. Hey, <laughs> Bill Paxton's a man. There you go. Even today. Even today. Even today. Yes. Even okay. training day. Tra Ooh. Um, all right. Back to my question, though. My question is, do you think that this new Predator, this soft relaunch of Predator, they're trying to kind of do what Prometheus did for the Alien franchise, as in try to start something new, but also have it expand on the mythology at the same time? You know how we kind of got like a soft little reboot with Prometheus? Well, we also got a soft little Ruth, uh, reboot with Predators, if you remember that. That came out three, four, uh, four years ago, four, five, four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, I think, if you remember. Do you remember? It's something like that. But I, I liked Predators, but I don't like how the, say, the movies are the same over and over and over. Like with Prometheus, I like that they expanded on the mythology of all of it but so what i'm hoping for with this new predator movie is that they kind of expand on the predators and like where they come from what motivates them what how do they become just hunters and and go after all these different races and you know treat it like sporting game uh and whatnot you want that aspect of it exactly get like you know put some meat on the film Instead of just, you know, instead of just all these individuals telling you that they go and do what they do and have it seen from their perspective, uh, just like in Predators where, you know, um, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, was it Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, he's the that crazy telling, guy in the ship. Yeah, yeah, that was telling Aiden Quinn, uh, you know, about their, their history and whatnot. And then in back previous, you know, others telling about, let it be from their perspective if they do that that would be different and that would be kind of cool i might i know i like that you know it's it's uh 
Uh, I'm sorry. It, it's hokey. No, that, that's, the a original, pretty, that's a pretty spot on uh, impression of the laser beam. Launch. Yeah, the original one was really hokey, but it's just that's just it was just fun. It's, it's classic. Yeah, it's classic. Yes, yeah, I love it, the classics. Get to the chopper. To the chopper. Yes. All right. Next topic of conversation. Lionsgate is working on a new Robin Hood movie. And before we go into detail about this, let me. Uh, that was saw, my head hitting the floor. Yeah, you saw Rid the Ridley Scott Robin Hood, which was actually really good. Do you think that we need another Robin Hood? It seems like a lot of this is like unnecessary retelling. Is it a retelling of Robin Hood Men in Tights? No, no, no. It's the same exact story <laughs> as Ridley Scott's. Like, it, Robin Hood comes back from the Crusades, and you know things aren't the way he wants. Like, the you know the, the greed and corruption. This is the the film is being directed by uh, what's the guy's name? Otto Bathurst. I don't know what is else. Is it a reboot of Robin Hood Men in Tights? No. Then there you go. <laughs> Not interested. Yeah. Um, well. Uh, I, I, if it's any, it, I'll tell you what. If it's like the Ridley Scott one, which wasn't bad at all, you liked it. I thought it was okay. In fact, it was just on the other day on TV. Yeah, that's not not a problem. If it's the Kevin Costner one that was overly cheesy, uh, I don't know about that. But if it was like the Ridley, if it is like the Ridley Scott one, why make it? <laughs> why don't we just go back and watch the Ridley Scott one? People have, you know, people. Are hoping that you, you know, every ten years they can refresh those familiar characters and, and see if they can get something out of it. I mean, ten years from now they'll try another two Hercules movies again after they both didn't meet the expectations. You know, ten years from now they'll they'll go after uh, another Santa Claus movie just to you know see if they can do it. Every ten, fifteen, twenty years they seem to recycle these old traditional characters, like another Snow White movie. You know. They can they'll try to see if they can go ahead and, and, and do that again. It's just every 10, 15, 20 years, they just think they can go ahead and and con a new audience into watching those films. And and I don't think it's gonna this time it's gonna pay off. Hollywood and their feds. I did I am kind of, you know, I not excited, but like I'm curious to see uh Taron Egerton in the role of Robin Hood. He was good in Kingsman. I just I think I want to see him in something else, see how good he might be. But I bring up this topic because in an interview, uh, Otto Bather said, to be honest, when this film was first offered to me, I turned it down immediately. The world doesn't need another Robin Hood film, as we said. Uh, we've had enough. But when I started to look into it and investigate this man and the legend and the story seem more relevant today than it has ever been. For me, making a film is about reflecting on what's going on at the moment to bring back something to humanity, to society. So he went on to say, basically, it's going to be a a, a political piece. So it's going to be like a, a rival, I guess we we're talking about, would be a good example. Um, Ryan Murphy, the creator of American Horror Story, said in an interview this week that the next season is going to be on this year's election. So by the time Trump is done in office, I get people hate him. That's whatever. But do you think the entertainment industry is going to be so oversaturated with anti-Trump, anti-right-wing you know, right -wing, uh, entertainment pieces? Liberal, that, as far as you can Liberal, say yeah. Liberal pieces that people are going to just be kind of not burnt out on it, but just not in the mood to go watch it. Because if I want politics, I'm going to open up 
Facebook and just look at my newsfeed and just depress the hell out of myself, you know? I agree with you. That's people are going to get sick of it really fast, both from the right and left. It's going to be the same story. Something comes out that's going to lean heavily toward the left as far as its message and opinion. People from the right are going to argue about it and cry foul and whatnot, blah, 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 blah. People on the left may support it for a little while, but after a while, there's too many films. It's just, it's like anything. If there's too many films trying to say the same message and in, in Hollywood where it's, it's very liberal, it's very left, left wing as far as that's concerned you're going to get that you're going to see that probably within you know the next few months to a year you're going to see that type of imagery it's going to get old after a while and it's going to be the same thing somebody protests why not don't go see this film left left does somewhere there's a happy medium but then after a while nobody's going to go see these films because they just like you said are tired of this message because they see it in the news they see it on they as soon as they click on the internet they see it when they go to their social media facebook twitter what have you it's just just all over the place it's, it's there's not going to be a great tolerance of going to see things with this with these same type of strong messages if they want to go to the movies to escape exactly and i don't need to go in to see a movie and find another reason to like hate the person sitting next to me it's just it's uh, it's just not good for people in general but um okay and on, on to the let's let's talk about logan real quick before we go on to box office numbers uh logan i don't know if you've been reading the earlier reviews but i i haven't i've been trying to stay away from the spoilers i just read the headlines that's all i haven't opened up any of these articles because i don't want to know but it has been getting fairly positive reviews with critics during early screening screenings which is Good considering that Fox was extremely worried about the R rating and they've been vocal about that. But it, at the moment, it looks like it's paying off. Uh, it is. It's garnered excellent reviews so far. They say it's a great way. I, I keep on seeing the same theme and that this is a great way to end the Wolverine franchise. Although, as I've said before on previous podcasts, if, if 20th Century Fox and, and Marvel and Disney could just, just, sit down for lunch one time just if we can they include one character in the infinity wars just do just do wolverine just just let them borrow from like like just just for a couple movies just like spider-man is with sony it just be would awesome it'd be awesome that that he would still be in the mix and he is not entirely ruled out something that like that he said he's retired from doing it full-time i get that but if it was some scenario like that or something similar he would not maybe say no to it i know patrick stewart has said uh, clearly on the record that he is it doesn't want to be done with his professor xavier as of yet so i'm hoping that this he's not done with this character entirely because i think it would be you know uh it's, it's going to be hard to fill those, you know, claws, I should say. So I would uh, say maybe, you know, go see him now because this is going to be the last time you see him in Wolverine, at least on a full-time basis through a full movie uh, anytime soon, if at all. Uh, but I, my hope's still high that, that they can do something smart and try and see if they can work something out with Marvel and, and maybe appear in the Infinity Wars if not the first and the second one in 2019. That was actually going to be my next question to you with like the, if Logan is majorly successful, 
he's not. I don't see uh, Hugh Jackman hanging up the claws for good, especially since I know Ryan Reynolds is kind of bothering well, that, him about the Deadpool. Well, yeah, he and he said he wouldn't be entirely opposed to doing Deadpool, especially the way you know he's obviously taking good fun the way way Ryan Reynolds mocks Wolverine and his character so much, you know, in the previous Deadpool or whatnot. So. I would say maybe doing a, a cameo, uh, he would not be be against, but I don't think you would see him doing a full time thing gig uh, with the character again. I think he's 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 done with it because it takes a lot of work, I guess, for him to become that character as far as physical and whatnot. And and at his advancing age, maybe it's not as easy as it once was, and maybe that that's that's why. But I'm hoping you know he will do something in in the Deadpool universe, but I'm also hoping that that cooler heads would prevail and be able to do something in a larger Marvel universe as well. That would be rad. Okay, so we are going to take a short break, and when we come back. We will have some box office numbers for you: the good, the bad, and the uh, the wellness and the wellness. Yes, correct. So. Uh, stay tuned. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. All right, welcome back to the Double J Podcast featuring Josh and Gerald. Let's, uh, let's get into some box office numbers, huh? Would uh, you want to do the honors here of the first, uh, you know, few names on the list? Fair enough, indeed. Uh, at number one for the weekend, and well, what's going to come in with a a big rally as far as for the the entire three day weekend? Because I got to remember, we got to play Monday into it. Monday should be larger for for family audiences and whatnot. Um, let's go with the the Lego Batman movie, uh, and the Lego Batman movie is going to be winning out right now. The estimates are uh, for the the three day weekend estimates going to be around thirty five million dollars. Uh, Fifty Shades Darker is still holding up uh, a little better than its predecessor as far as from a percentage standpoint, money wise overall. No, it's not touching uh, the original, but the Fifty Shades Darker is is also. Uh, coming in at around 21 for the weekend. Let's uh, let's go with next with the highest new entry on the list, The Great Wall, uh, which I want to talk to you about. I want to get into that one here in a sec. That one came in around $18 million for the three-day weekend. And then also John Wick Chapter 2, that's coming in at about 16 and a half. That is held strongly. That is definitely uh, good news for John Wick fans out there like you and I. And then last uh, in the number five position, uh, Fist Fight, which was expected to do higher. So it was a slight disappointment for Warner Brothers. That came in at $12 million over the weekend. And it looks like uh, you'll be able to take it from here from number six through ten. Right, uh, and let, let's talk about the Great Wall for a moment. Um, That's indeed because that uh, I want to ask you in question: uh, What's the difference between the Great Wall and Warcraft? 
there isn't one. And that's that, that, yeah, that is the correct answer. That's the big thing with me because everyone is like, you know, they made a big deal out of the controversy that Matt Damon was a white man in an Asian film. And, you know, he in the film, he's not supposed to be Asian. Like, he's a European who's come just to check out what's going on. But that that's that's another debate. But um, It doesn't bother people in China going to see the film. That's the thing. Exactly, exactly. And But people are going to see this movie. They're like, oh, man, this movie's disappointing. What I don't know what what did they expect from it? You basically get what was remember that movie that came out? This was maybe five or six years ago called Dragon Wars, which was really just about dragons attacking a city. That's what the Great Wall is. And that's but this set in time is obviously used, and I think the fact that it uses the Great Wall as its you know emphasis on it uh, kind of sets things in a different tone as far as okay it's using this great wall that we all know is one of the great wonders of the world and and using it in a fashion to make a cheesy sci-fi flick or fantasy flick i should say right and that's i i don't know why people were expecting something big from this well, they were, I, I don't I don't know why they were I don't know how they could say expect something big outside because there was really not going to they're all indications were that it was not going to trend very well outside of the of the Chinese audience and they were pretty much banking on that audience and, and to their accountability it's made a pretty good amount it's garnered over 200 million dollars internationally and and it's going to have to do the best it can to to earn everything in China and the Far East because it's certainly not going to make much here, similar to what happened with Warcraft. Yeah, it's and on the flip side, it's the same thing. Like, uh, you know, when you make a like a kung fu movie, it doesn't do so well over here, but it ends up being really good over where it was released. So the Great Wall, it, I, I expect they'll make their money back from it, but at the same time, I don't know why people are, people in America, I don't know why they're, going into it expecting this big, uh, you know, this big thing, but it's not really what it is. It's just you get what you get from the trailers. Indeed. I uh, couldn't agree with you more than that. All right. So back to box office numbers. At no, I just I want to go through the back half because the last movie on the list is just something I want to touch on briefly. Um, Hidden Figures is at $7 million, bringing its total to $142.5 million. So that, that's that been... That's a very... Again, like I said last week, that's a great job. I, I really think audiences should be you know, uh, pleased with, with the way the movie came out. It's, it's a very good movie. Deserves all the recognition and, and you know fan support you can get. And I, I think it really uh, really harkens back to, to a great great uh, uh time where there's uh, people that support a movie with with very little fanfare that comes out that did not um laud itself during the holiday season as a possible oscar tenor or whatnot yet manages to do so and not only top of that deals with with positive subjects it's a positive movie it, it's a good spirited movie and then also ends up making nice a nice amount of money at the box office yeah, definitely. For something that was relatively unknown and still is kind of unknown to people, it it's packed a powerful punch in the box office. Um, coming at number seven, we have Split, which made seven million this uh, this week. And from what I understand, it's 
bit almost had a sequel greenlit. I know Disney and um, I don't know who produced this one, but Disney and whoever it was, uh, they they're trying to settle on a you know a contract. So in that Shyamalan, but Shyamalan, he 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 finances his own films. Yeah. But I mean, the properties are owned, like Unbreakable is owned by Disney. So in order for him to make the sequel to Split, which is supposed to be a sequel to Unbreakable, he needs to, they need to come to some sort of arrangement. So that but doesn't he, can, he own the characters? He doesn't own, he, he owns the characters he's made uh, in Split, but he doesn't own, he doesn't own the characters from Unbreakable. So he can't. But what about the scene, the bonus scene at the end where. He was given permission. Okay from the studio to do it. He did. He doesn't have the rights to have them an entire feature film. So that's, that's a conversation. And I imagine it's going to go through uh, Disney's greedy, but I imagine uh, there's still enough money to be made out of it to make it worth a while for both parties. Because Samuel L. Jackson has already stated uh, in interviews this week that he is very interested in reprising his Mr. Glass role. Right, right. And, and fans are eager to see it. I personally, I, I want to see it. I haven't seen Split yet, but I'll probably watch when it hits uh, on demand. But yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see an Unbreakable sequel. Uh, uh, as am I, definitely. Because I, I uh, remember that movie. It was, it was again, with Shyamalan, he does have to have his twists and whatnot. But at least in Shyamalan's effort with with Unbreakable, it was something that, that a lot of people could get into. It was a very mellow twist. Yes. Compared to most of his movies. You didn't realize it at first, but then it's like, oh, okay, I get but, it, but I can hang with it. And it wasn't one of those things you're mad at, like in the village. You didn't feel like cheated out of your $12. Um, all right, coming at number eight. Or the happening where, you know, just the trees kept uh, controlling your mind. All I remember from that movie is the lawnmower, the guy trying to kill himself with <laughs> yeah, the lawnmower. That's the only scene that sticks out. Uh, okay, coming in at number eight, we have A Dog's Purpose, $5.5 million, totaling in at $50.6 million. This movie is not doing so good just because of all the controversy surrounding it, and rightly so. Uh, coming in at number nine, we have La La Land, $4.5 million. You treat your dogs nice. Yeah, seriously. It, it, anything you do, thanks to cell phones and social media, any like sin you commit is going to get out there somehow. So don't don't think that... You know, people shouldn't think that they're above it. It's just your sins will always come to life. Somebody with a cell phone somewhere is going to film you doing something bad, and it'll make it onto the internet eventually. Um, all right, so let's talk about number ten on the list here. We have a cure for wellness making four point two million dollars. Is this a bad sign for Mr. Verbinski? Well, it's a bad sign on projects that it's not have certain big budget connotations to it such as you know well where did he come from you know as far as the movies that he was making um the the names that he was attached to and then he goes ahead and goes into a cure for wellness and it wasn't a cure for wellness for sure that was it was a cure for it was not a cure for uh, it, it was not a cure for a good movie either so um, unfortunately, uh, it, it didn't work out for him. He needs to go back to Pirates of the Caribbean very, very quickly. <laughs> He's going to be tied to that franchise for the rest of his career. It's, it's about the choices you make we see in Hollywood. You know, you make those – a lot of times when you make, okay, let's say Ghostbusters, that which you, you know, you're directing – that becomes a humongous hit worldwide, $200 million plus, blah, 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 blah. 
and then instead of making a ghost toast or sequel you want to make um a cure for failness so you make that and and because that's the movie you want to make what you love doing as far as the art tour in you and whatnot but nobody wants to see it but you're self-satisfied with the fact that you created something for yourself and that what you wanted but with a studio that's trying to back you with with x amount of cash in order to do the film they're not so happy so obviously they're not happy cat person tonight with the way a cure for wellness has done so if gore Verbinski looks to go ahead and do those type of films in the future he better supplement them back with with big budget blockbuster buster excuse me big budget blockbuster features such as the ones we've seen him do with pirates of the caribbean right and i think a lot of those artsy projects need you know to have a before they do that movie they need to do something corporate in order to get their money to make that so it's it's a vicious cycle you make the money and then you spend it on something that doesn't do so well and poor uh dane dehan he's uh you know, he's about to be the next Sam Worthington. He was cast in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Didn't uh, didn't do what people wanted it to. Then he was in... Uh, what? Okay, never mind. I don't even know where I was going with this. But he's, uh, he's, he's in another movie, and he just can't seem to hold his own. So, uh, you know, the Valeria and the City of a Thousand Planets or something, that needs to do well, or else it's not going to... His career is probably just... That's from Luc Besson, correct? Yeah, of the Fifth Element, and his—that's another one I'm scared about. Then that that might go the way of the one. What, what was the one with Channing Tatum? Where where Jupiter Ascending, right? Is that the? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's that's what I'm afraid it's going to be. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I hope I hope differently. That I like the Fifth Element, but it's just it's not good to like. It's not really safe to bank on newer projects these days, as we talked about last last time. Um, okay, we're going to take one more break, and then when we come back, we will have some, uh, you know, what's coming to theaters this week and a trailer talk. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Check out the number two show on the Podcast Radio Network this Monday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, and later that night, it'll be available for download on the ESO, Tangent Bounds, and Gunna Geek Networks, and also iTunes, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podcast.com. Thanks so much, and we truly appreciate you listening. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. All right, welcome back to the Double J Filmcast featuring Josh and Gerald. Uh, coming to theaters this week, we have a doozy of a list, only one of which people are probably going to care about. Uh, I'll just, I'm just going to go down the list because there's not really a lot of talking points here. Uh, Bitter Harvest, Collide, featuring Nicholas Holt, um, Da Crazy Pimps with a Z, Drifter, Erasing Eden, Fabricated City, Get Out, God Particle, My Life is a Zucchini, Punching Henry, Rock Dog, Sargi, Tulip Fever, Voodoo, A Year by the Sea. So a lot of these titles, you're pretty much getting what's in the title, if I had to assume about these movies. This is just an amazing list. Uh, actually, probably it's even better than the, the list you had last week and the week before. This is probably when they when they invented the movie medium, this is exactly what they had in mind, you know, that 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 ever ever present list of you know those those hits incoming hits that that that's going to be on the screen 
such as, you know, the crazy pimps. And of course, my life as a zucchini. You know, what what a world this is when uh, we have a week where the crazy pimps goes against my life as a zucchini coming out of theaters. Oh, it's going to be an intense competition. Uh, backed with, uh, you know, having a bitter harvest as well. Yeah, exactly. If you don't like those, you can go punch Henry. It's just, it's up to you, whatever. Or you, know, or you can get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, at, at least I all the... I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> on the plus side at least this week we can pronounce all the names so you, you just gotta you know you gotta pick and choose your battles a little bit okay hey so let's talk about trailers have you uh have you seen colossal the trailer with Anne hathaway uh yes it, it's all right um but nothing that overwhelmed me at this point in time but then again the trailer's still young it's it's there's sure more coming to back it up as far as seeing whether it's something that's going to click with me and click with general audiences are concerned well it's not i'm, I'm just gonna tell you now it's, it's probably not gonna be a good movie but it'll be entertaining okay i think that's uh what looking already into the future be, i guess like it, no i mean it's it's just one of those movies it's like uh zombievers on netflix like people are gonna go watch it just because it's looks kind of over the top and I, I like Anne hathaway and i hope that she eventually returns to greatness but for now She's making her run on the indie circuit. Uh, next up, we have Dean with Dimitri Martin, which actually, did you watch the trailer for that? It actually looks good. No, I haven't. Tell me a little bit more. So he's this, uh, he's this kid who his dad is mourning the loss of his wife, and Dimitri Martin is plays Dean who doesn't know, uh, who doesn't, he's not mourning his mom and he doesn't know why. So it's like that whole kind of, it's not really coming of age, but it's kind of a soul searching movie with that unique brand of like awkward comedy. That is Dimitri Martin. So he, he reminds me of Zach Braff in a way. Like it, this movie reminds me of garden state. Oh yes. I knew you were going to say that as soon as, as soon as you mentioned his name. So definitely, uh, definitely something to look forward to indeed, if that's the case. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping it, it doesn't disappoint. Uh, Ghost in the Shell with uh, Scarlett Johansson. Have you seen the new trailer for it? You know what? I'll tell you what. Yes, I've seen the latest trailers for it. I, I have seen the TV spots. I will give them this. If the movie still fails and it still falls flat in its face, it will not be because of, of publicizing the movie. It will not be because the movie commercial or the movie trailers didn't get out enough. And it's not because it wasn't put in the eyes of social consciousness and the, and the, the casual audience out there. It's because people will just don't want to see this film. You know, it, how, it's been on the Super Bowl. It's been, you know, already in, in national TV and, and whatnot. We see, you know, see it all over the internet as well. So uh, at least my props to those who are, who are, you know, running the the actual PR for the film because they've really done a great job. And whether or not this is going to translate into a, a really good movie event, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Is it something that you're looking forward to personally? No, not okay. at least in a film standpoint, not at least in a theatrical standpoint, but I will watch it when it comes to video. From, from what I saw in the trailers, it looks like it's pretty much hit for hit the, the anime, the original anime film. So I'm curious how they're going to, because that, that was a really confusing story. It was, it was good and it was fun to watch, but it was a really, really, really confusing story. But it also reminds me a lot of uh, Aeon Flux with Charlize Theron. 
and and that's that's what I'm afraid of as well. It it veering off into that direction as far as having the best of intentions, but unfortunately the worst of executions. So for this one, we should hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. And then here comes your favorite movie. Go, go Power Rangers. So they released the final trailer this week for Power Rangers. It didn't really, you know, it had maybe a couple lines that were different from... It needs from, more trailers. It needs more trailers. Definitely more trailers. Um, I, I, are you, are you going to go see this? Is this something that you think will sit well with people of the generation that that came out in? If my girls want to go see it, I may be interested in seeing it. Uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I'm not. Uh, I was still already an uh, adult when the Power Rangers hit it big in the '90s, so I'm not really that. This didn't really grab me when it came on afternoon TV, and and I, I already saw the context of it. Uh, personally, I, I like the mashups where. Um, as far as you know, mirroring Japanese television. If you want to do that, you know, watch MXC. That's to me the, the best use of uh, Japanese television ever. But that's that's my opinion. But um, the as far as the Go Go Power Rangers are concerned, the Power Rangers. Uh, Elizabeth Banks is, is one of the the best actresses out there right now, and that that leads me to to hopefully one of these days I want to do a piece on on uh, a great film from the two thousands that I wouldn't say it's a great film, but one it's a very good film, it's a very enjoyable film, it's one of my favorite films, but I won't say what it is because it's going to ruin the article. But if I ever get around to doing it, I want to say it's one of the most influential films of the the uh, modern era because of how many stars emanated from i may have mentioned it form in a previous podcast and i probably did so you can probably look it up but um i think that that her character if she's allowed to do what she needs to do it could be good enough to to carry this film into a hit status but it has to be reliant on her character or and also brian cranston but brian Can cranston's role is going to be a little bit subdued just because of the nature of who he is in the film right I, I i'm not expecting anything out of it I, i'm i'm more than eager to give it a try like i will gladly go give it a try i'll probably go maybe the, you know the week it comes out to see it but i'm not expecting anything uh great from it so all right that will do it for the double j film cast featuring josh and gerald uh gerald is there anything you would like to uh you know, talk about before we close. Well, I just know there's some some pretty good films. Logan is probably the best thing on the market right now that's going to be coming out in the near future. Right now, there's actually some good films out there. If you haven't seen John Wick Chapter 2, if you haven't seen the Lego Batman movie, they're both getting strong reviews. They're both doing well at the box office. These are, these are films that you actually should go see in theaters, and you will have a great experience in seeing them. Um, like I said, after Logan, it gets a little bit dry, uh, and, uh, but then Fast and Furious, the next one, that's what I'm going to call it, the Fast and Furious, the next one comes out, and then uh, then we go in from there. But I think we're just all waiting for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to come out and, and uh, rock everyone's world. Because that, that's kind of like the jumpstart of the official summer blockbusters. Indeed, yes. The first week of May usually kicks it off, and that's that's to me really what I'm waiting for as a movie fan. But there could be some decent stuff on the way, so we'll keep an eye out for you right here at the Double J Filmcast. If, of course, you know 
the single J here lets me back on the show at some point in time. Of course. If not, I will mention it on our other shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos show, which you can find every Monday night at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. And then also the double, excuse me, I was going to say the double J, but also as well, the PCC Multiverse, which you can listen to at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, also on the Podcast Radio Network, or you can download it off of iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast.com, Google Play, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, and also the Gunna Geek Network as well. And I had, you see, I had to close my eyes so I could remember I, all of them. I it's noticed. Getting, it's Are they on the back of your eyelids? Um, yes, because it's like a, like a rolling transcript, like right, coming right through my eyebrows. <laughs> And if you like the Double J Filmcast, uh, Humanican Media has several other shows which are featured prominently on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Uh, we have Chad Travis's musical show about music. We have uh, oh the Super Bro Station Games Cast and a brand new show coming at you called What About This, which I'm actually really excited about, mostly because I don't have to be on camera. I'm just I'm producing strictly, and I have full confidence in the people who are uh you know on screen debating things so stay tuned for that oh that might be that that is either going to be awesome or like a grease fire but anyway it's just like a car crash you got to watch it and listen to it right hey exactly but i'm excited about it uh hit or miss it's you know it'll be an experience yes i'm doing the logo now as we speak yes what about this yes um, all right, uh, that'll that'll do it for today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll have another episode for you next week, which may or may not feature uh, Gerald here, but most likely will. So, uh, thanks for tuning in. All right, have a good one, everyone. That uh, to us people that can feel things, it it uh, it hurts.